Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 78 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make that theater happen. It's great to have you all here, and if it's your first time, welcome. You can find all 78 episodes of this, the Curtain Call Theater podcast, on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Uh, So go back and fill your boots, and if you have a spare 30 seconds, please rate and review this podcast to help us be more discoverable to listeners like yourselves who may not have heard about us yet. And now for this week's weather-delayed podcast. Uh, I do have to apologize for the late posting of this episode last week. Uh, The previous week, I was in the States at the Beaufort Film Festival. And last week, well, we landed in snow. Um, Many of you may have noticed that, well, if you do live in the UK, we had a couple inches of snow, which brings the country to a standstill. So I, I couldn't make the journey to record my three guests until last night. Tyrone Huntley and Georgie Henley are currently on stage at the Southern Playhouse in Phil Ridley's Angry. Not so much a play as a theater piece with Huntley and Henley performing what Ridley describes as vespers or standalone monologues. Uh, Now, this is a powerful piece with even more powerful performances. There were uh, laughs, gasps, cheers, and tears on the two occasions I watched the show. Director Max Lindsay deftly makes his London directing debut, getting not only one performance out of his actors, but two. You see, Huntley and Henley swap these non-gender-specific roles on alternate nights, making a return visit to see Angry a must. And what's even more impressive here is that there are two on-stage debuts to witness. Olivier Award nominee Tyrone Huntley makes his straight play debut with Many of us having seen him belting out numbers center stage in Jesus Christ Superstar at Regent's Park Open Air Theater for the last couple of years, and also Dream Girls at the Savoy. That's just to name a, 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 a couple. And, and Georgie Henley is making her full theater debut here, having appeared on our screens as Lucy in the Narnia series films. Um, so it's just impressive what these two have managed to pull off. And I sat down with Huntley Henley and director Max Lindsay to talk all things angry. And I was also joined in the interview by Curtain Call team member Emily O'Shea. Just in case you're wondering if my voice drastically changed while asking a particular question. Have a listen. Hi, I'm Tyrone and I play him in Angry. Hi, I'm Max and I'm the director of Angry. Hi, I'm Georgie, and I play her in Angry. Excellent. Um, okay, I, I'd like to get... Let's just take back to the start, if you mind. I'll start with, with Mr. Lindsay. Um, the, just because it's... I haven't seen a show like this. You know, we go see a lot of shows, but this is pretty unique. Um, and um, I was here last, last week when you, you had a Q&A afterwards, and yeah. um, I think it came out like there was something... Like Philip had written a hundred of these monologues that you kind of picked from. How do you? How did you kind of whittle those down, or how did you kind of pick? Did, did you have to pick? Was it something that Philip did, 
because I know you've been working on it for a couple of years, Max. Whittle, I love the word. Whittle, it's a good word. Whittle, yeah. <laughs> um, so it actually initially started off with the final monologue, Air. Okay. Um, so Phil wrote that when um, I did uh, a version of his play Feathers in the Snow. Um, I did uh, at the Nuffield in Southampton um, and he kind of wrote that as like a, like a, like a little ancillary project uh, for um, uh, for one of the actors down there to, to do as kind of another evening of, 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 um, of work and it kind of stuck in the back of my head mm. and I was kind of sat there going I really want to do something more with this there's more that there's a mm. bigger life that, that, that it has and then it was only about a 20 minute monologue um, and so I came back to Phil and just said, look, I think there's something more we can do with this one. Um, and he agreed. And then we started talking about, he started to mention these Vespers, um, as he calls them, these monologues that he's been writing since he was at Central St. Martins and mm-hmm. doing kind of um, uh, performance art with them. Um, and uh, and so we just started kind of, he started sending stuff over and we'd meet up and we'd work on it with, with actors and we'd read stuff and we'd see what worked and this kind of title of angry started to appear because we constantly kind of talk about things that were just pissing us off in the world um, <laughs> and, uh, and these kind of fell into place as things that um, were kind of felt like they fit under this banner title of mm. angry yeah and I mean, they do work together. I think it's quite a fun journey. Um, I didn't know how long the monologues were, or how long each one would take, or I just you know the story. They kind of they are very length, so you never know. You kind of you, this play, this group of monologues makes you definitely lean in. And um, and congratulations on the performances, guys, because you definitely Thank right you. from the off. Um, I'm not going to spoil it because this is coming out. We'll do this tomorrow. So, you, you know, come and see it. You have three days, <laughs> three days left to come and see it. Get yourself but to see it. But from the beginning, you're leaning in um, from the first monologue. It's quite funny how you guys, you can't see this, but you guys have split. <laughs> Him and her are on opposite sides of the director. I don't know if I did that subconsciously. I'm separating them apart. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's take you to that first day of rehearsal. I mean, what was, was there a lot of table work? Did you come in? And what was that first day like, guys? Because it is unconventional as a, a play, as it were. Yeah, so on the first day we came in and uh, the whole team was there. All the creatives, director, Philip was there as well, um, and the producer, and we did two read-throughs of the play, just sat around a table, um, reading each version of the play, so mm. the first one I started, and the second one Georgie started, all five first mm. and um, yeah, it was just a discussion about the themes, and and the, the characters involved, and um, we just, yeah, had, had a talk about the, the piece as a whole, and uh, then the next day, it was me and Georgie with Max, and we that's when we started sort of character work and started yeah. deciding where we were going to go with each monologue. I turned up late on the first day. I was so standard. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I mean, it's just actors. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I was so ner- I was so nervous about meeting Phil because I knew that Phil was going to be there. Obviously, like meeting the rest of the crew and things, but I was so nervous about meeting Phil that I basically got off at the wrong tube stop, and then instead of and then I kind of emerged into the like out of the tube, and then instead of thinking oh, I should just go back down into the tube and get on the tube again, I just thought oh I'll walk, it's okay. And then like twenty minutes later, I was like, why did I do this? <laughs> and I just kind of, I just kind of like emerged into the rehearsal room as this like sweaty lump, like apologising, um, which kind of put me on the back foot a bit. But um, 
I'm sure it was fine. It's Unless, fine. did you have a, cu- a coffee in your hands, Georgie? I didn't. No, oh, no I didn't. No. Best. I don't drink that coffee. Because that would be the, the best stereotype ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sorry, guys. I did stop along the way for a little beverage but yeah. I, I am late. <laughs> so what people may not know is that you guys, you just mentioned, Tyron, that you guys, it, both versions, there are two versions mm-hmm. of this play. Yeah. You switch. Yeah. As an alternate. Yeah, so there are six monologues in the piece. Um... <laughs> Philip Ridley doesn't really like calling it a play. Yeah, it's not okay. Really a play. It's not really. Um, it, it's a Aristotle selection of the, these, these vespers. And yeah, the, so there are six um, monologues, and uh, every night we alternate which, which ones we do. So uh, on Monday night, I uh, Georgie starts, I and start, then on Tuesday yeah. afternoon, I start, and then right. it, it rolls on for the rest of the shows every, every week. So, yeah. And, on, and then on Tuesdays and Saturdays, we've been doing two show days. So we actually end up doing both versions in one day. And it's kind of like doing a one, like a one man or one woman show, mm-hmm. but spread over two performances, yeah. um, which has been insane, really. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. It, but, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's incredibly different because obviously we're on our own. And mm. You know, me and Georgie share a dressing room and we're, we're quite close, but as soon as the show starts... We don't see, we don't each, see other. each other. We don't see each other for the rest of the show. So, yeah. you know, in, 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 another show, in other shows that I've been in, you can always sort of check in with the rest of the cast as it's going on and sort of yeah. that kind of thing. And, you know, talk about how the audience is and all that kind of stuff, but you, you're literally on your own as soon yeah. as it starts. So I think that's why whenever we come off stage, we kind of like, we almost like metaphorically like fall into each other's <laughs> yeah. arms and we'll just have this like huge debrief about the show yeah. and we'll just be like... Like, oh my god, did this happen? And, oh my god, yeah, I kind of heard that that happened. Like, I heard you, blah, blah. like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I did, um, I did True West at Sheffield, where John Light and Nigel Harmon um, switched roles uh, mm-hmm. in that. So it was completely different, like what you were saying. Yeah. I could see the way the, my performance completely changed because of the, my, you know, the way they were. John was much more physical, you know, Nigel. Yeah. You're a softy. I love you, but you're a softy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you know, I think um, what you just talked about—not having that to kind of play over—and and mm. you guys come in cold for each part of the piece, you know. But and, I do think it's interesting that we don't have a cast who have to modulate that. So we have to modulate, mm-hmm. and we modulate based off the audience. So we 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 you know temper our performances based on what kind of audience we have that night. But I do think. Like you said, it's so interesting to think that you were in a production where the supporting cast would then have to entirely shift mm. depending on... And I guess that would happen with something like uh, the uh, production of Frankenstein, yeah. um, Mary, Mary Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. yeah, and I we don't have that. And I think that is in a way a blessing <laughs> for other people. Talking about Mary Stewart, Juliet Stevenson said the other day at the Watson Sage Awards when mm-hmm. she won... She said that the audience is is almost like another character in the piece. Right. They're, they're the other half of the conversation, and that is no more true than in this piece because exactly. we are constantly talking to the audience, and our performances are totally informed by the reactions and the and mm. um, you know everything that the audience gives us. So. You can see whether those comic beats are landing more, or whether the tragic beats mm-hmm. are maybe are maybe resonating more. You can kind of tell because you're literally staring at these people in the face, and like Tyrone has said previously he's used to being on a huge stage mm-hmm. kind of removed from the audience whereas here you're, you're looking at them in the eye and you really can see whether 
someone is affected by the the romance stories mm. or someone is picking up on the more like uh, the moments about family or um and also we get you know we really kind of played with that as well there are moments in it where there are it is very much about talking to an audience mm. but yeah. not just talking to an audience like begging yes. for help yeah. or asking for asking questions <laughs> of them i didn't know what to do at the point i was going <laughs> Do, do I say something? Yeah. <laughs> do I say something? Yeah. And that's part, yeah, that's part of the magic of it because you, you literally, in, 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 in certain particular ones of the monologues, you're seeing the audience wanting to answer but not sure, being quite sure if they're allowed to answer or yeah. sort of going yeah, to... I don't want to be that back. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some yeah. of those guys. Yeah. 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 In, in, and in one drunk woman. <laughs> <laughs> In that first monologue, Angry, which is, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of pent up loss of control of rage. Um, uh, Tyrone's only had, you've only had it once, but Georgie's had a load of times where people have have been shouting stuff back at her. And in a way, kind of undermining, Mm -hmm. like trying to undermine. In a way that feels like heckling almost. That kind of rotten tomato type thing. But I think it's so funny because when when I was at uni and we would look at, because I did an English degree, and when we would look at plays and study it from an academic perspective and deconstruct it, um, most of our conversations would inevitably end up with the fact that so much of, of, of writing a play ignores the audience, and, and so much of actual critical opinion, which is written about um, drama and the, the stage, ignores the audience. And a, a lot of academics are trying to to, to reintroduce that into critical theory and I think it's an amazing thing that Max and Phil have done um, particularly Max because obviously it is in the staging mm. of the, the play to to revel in that feeling of the audience being uncomfortable and on the edge of something and that was a really brave decision and you you you, you, you smashed it <laughs> yeah. oh, thanks bye <laughs> <laughs> thanks bye <laughs> just to brush that dirt off my shoulder <laughs> So, Georgie, you've done a lot of film and obviously loads when you were younger. Mm-hmm. What is it like sort of coming to the stage and what sort of inspired you to come to the stage? So, yeah, it, to be honest, it was this project. I try and look at things regardless of what format they're in. So I never really think, oh, I want to do a bit of TV or oh, I want to do a bit of theatre or film. I always look at the project itself. And for me, I was so excited that um, Philip Ridley had written a new piece and that it was going to be a world premiere of that. Um, I'm very surprised that I got the role because I had I had no theatre experience, so it was amazing. Um, but it did come with its challenges. Mm-hmm. There are lots of things that you learn, especially from doing film at such a young age. I am used to having a camera right in front of me, being radio mic'd constantly. Mm-hmm. So you can be as quiet as you want, as loud as you want, um, and that is that you are used to having a very fixed amount of space that you can move in and if you move more than that then you're out of the light whereas on stage you are utterly liberated in that sense you can move in any way you can contort your body however you want to you have to project your voice Mm. your diction has to be um exquisite um especially with something like this um because the audience need to hear every word of the story that you're telling. And those were all things that I struggled with, even when, we, when I first started performing to an audience. And now I'd like to think that I'm, I, I've improved and that I've gotten better. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a huge leap, huge leap. Um, they are different skill sets, I think. And on the, on the flip side of that, Tyrone, mm-hmm. I've seen you in Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. Apologies. 
didn't get to see Dream Girls, don't hate me. <laughs> uh, I know, I know, terrible. Um, but you, it is this, the other side of that coin where, yeah. you know, having this big band behind you and you know, not, you know, not that that does anything to your thoughts, yeah, but you, no, you're used to being, holding that stage. It, yeah, you know. it's, it's, a, it's very different. Again, it's a very different skill set. Um, you know, musical theatre has a rep for being sort of the easy version of stage acting. It's completely untrue. What? It's, really, it, what? it's sort of... Um, it's just hold, so different. It, it it's challenging. But, but yeah. you know, this it's space in itself. We're, mm. we're currently in the, in the um, auditorium, as it were, but it's, it's, a, it's a black box with... Yeah. Um, and we perform in the round and the audience is so close and so intimate, whereas on, you know, a West End stage um, at the Savoy or at Regent's Park, there's just a sea of... of, of people that you can't you know pick out individuals you can't see past really the first row I mean Regent's Park is different because it's daylight yeah. so, you know you can see you see everybody and yeah, you don't but, exactly, <laughs> yeah, but they're so far away yeah. that you know they're not there they're not really there um, and on a, on a West End stage you know you just see the front row yeah. but here it's you know you have you see everyone's reactions in such a on a, such a you know minute scale you can see their you can see them listening you can yeah. see them you know willing your character on and does that freak you out at any points? Every day. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Every day. Especially, do you know what I found? Oh, we that's great. It's the right answer. <laughs> I think we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. I don't think people realise how much their body language, um, kind of, how much we detect of their yeah. body language. It's almost like osmosis. If you mm-hmm. have someone on the front row and their arms are crossed, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that. Their arms are crossed or they're leaning back and they clearly are maybe just not that interested but they're doing a bad job of hiding it <laughs> it's it's actually yeah. it, it can really put you yeah off. or on the flip side if they're really enjoying it like that wide eyed and like you know they're gas like mouth yeah. open and all that kind of stuff, it's really sort of like you can't help but like be attracted to that, that yeah. one oh person. it's amazing it's, and it's like, almost like it's, a drug in yeah, that way yeah, yeah. you're literally like I want so, to feed you more information yeah but at the same time you've also, also got to stay true to the direction of it so you can't yeah. like we, we our, our performances are informed by the audience, but there also is a skeleton of, of, of direction there that we yeah. have to stick to. So yeah. we have to sort of be disciplined in that respect as well. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's very, very different to performing. Like, I, on I also, system. one of the funny things, again, is that with, with like a big theatre and also with film, because essentially you do have an audience watching you on film. You have the whole crew standing there, (laughs) but you're supposed to ignore all of them. Um, And you're supposed to ignore this huge black contraption looking at you, which is this camera. You're supposed to ignore the fact that you have this huge kind of metal thing in your face. And even with like a theatre, you're not really supposed to acknowledge the audience in the same way. Um, and, And I think for me personally as well, in musicals, especially with Jesus Christ Superstar, everything was to time, everything yeah. was to music. Mm. You couldn't set your own pace, you just had to go with the band. Whereas here, you've got a lot more control over, you know, pace mm. and, and, you know, making sure that the audience really understands what's going on. And that control is, is a bit daunting, and it? it's a yeah. lot of pressure. So yeah. You're the only one, especially because it's just us on the stage. But I can see, but, how, but I can see how much that you two have settled into that. You yeah. know, kind of going away for like a period of time and then coming back and seeing it like you know, a week later or something, the way that you have kind of settled into um, that kind of uh, relationship with mm. the audience... Mm. Um, is is so much different from when from when we first put it up on those first previews yeah. and um, uh, the the way that you are now kind of 
finding those moments of of, uh, of complicity with the audience is, yeah. is really really beautiful to watch oh and there's moments where you feel like God honestly <laughs> no I mean that there's that first piece really... is like I've, I've never I, I can honestly say I don't think I've seen or been part of an audience where you've gone I genuinely don't know <laughs> am, am I, is this where I is this where I say something yeah, is that, and you, you're just kind of I'm going yeah. oh, I just yeah. And also one of my one of my favorite things in theater is nervous laughter. Yes. I love nervous laughter as a reaction because it's such a funny thing that we have as human beings. It's such a even there are, you know even reports of when people are told terrible terrible heartbreaking news and yeah. they start laughing yeah. because they can't actually yeah, yeah, deal yeah. with the trauma of it. Um so I do love it when in that first piece in particular you'll have a few people who kind of a a little weird chuckle. <laughs> Because they don't know what else to do. They feel yeah. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to ask, has either one of you stolen anything from the other person in their performance? <laughs> have you gone, ooh, I'm having that? Not consciously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was very, very strange because we rehearsed separately after those oh, first wow. couple of days. Okay. Um, we, we wow. just It was just one-on-one with Max. So we spent, you know, a week and a half completely not knowing what was happening with the other person so when we got together it was so crazy seeing the monologues in such a different way and like you know I hadn't thought about it in that way or wow you say it like that I didn't really like that, yeah. that kind of stuff and um, it was it was difficult um, when so towards the end of the rehearsal period we were, were rehearsing together yeah. <clears throat> so sometimes you just have to sort of sit at the side and just not watch and not, not listen watch. and sort of close your eyes yeah. because you know by osmosis you just you know get get yeah. these um, attributes from the different characters and, and does actors something that you're supposed to do is keep yourself open yeah. keep yourself yeah. listening so if you're so if you're you know really trying to be as vulnerable as possible. Mm-hmm. And you put that in the context of listening to someone else do the words that you're going to be speaking <laughs> next, it, without even realizing yeah. it, you know, you subconsciously take on things. I haven't stolen anything, mm. but I've heard things that Tyrone's done and been like, well, I don't know why I didn't do that. Like, <laughs> that's much better than the way I do it, or same, something like absolutely that. Um, but the thing is, that's what's great. You know, Max has been great in, in sort of letting us um, find our own characters mm. and then leading us in a way that we don't steal from each other or we don't take things from each other he sort of just like you know keeps us on the right path or not the right path but the path that we we chose and mm. are working towards and so. it did happen so organically mm. like the way that we came to talk about the characters they did come from two entirely separate yeah. places exactly. and so I think it would feel contrived in some way yeah. especially if people came to see both versions yeah. if if we were stealing from yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. It, we, yeah, it wouldn't feel yeah. natural because the characters are, are very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so. Last one I'll ask, and because it's a, a technical thing, because you, you, we've talked about you not seeing each other, mm-hmm. you come into each section of the piece cold. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, you can hear the audience, you can hear what's being said, but... Um, it's, it, it is a new piece. It's kind of like turn the page and here's, here's I presenting a new character. This Brand is a new, new person. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how did you kind of, how do you, how do you prepare each time before you step on? The wings is what, you know, that's how we kind of take a moment. We get ready. We get to step on. And normally we get to play a through line, but this is not necessarily that. However, there is, for me, it's quite, you know, fitting that air is the last thing because I think 
you know, the, the version I saw, Tyrone started, and you, you have this burst of energy, the air is kind of lit, <laughs> and then at the end you're fighting for it. And it, for mm-hmm. me, that journey is pretty special. So, but you have to come into that cold. Yeah. So how do you, when you're sitting behind that door over there, kind of prepare to, to enter the space and go, right, this it's is a great it. Question. It's a great question, and it, it's sort of different depending on which monologue, because of, mostly because of time. Um, after, so if I've just done Angry, which is the first monologue, I only have a short amount of time to sort of, A, get changed into my next costume yeah. and sort of get my, my brain into the right frame of mind to do the, the next monologue, which yeah. I'd be doing on that night, which is uh, Bloodshot. Yeah. And um, I think for me... Um, it's about making sure that I at least know my first line. If I know my first line, I can, I, I can go from there. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, as an actor, you just blank. Yeah, yeah. of course. Just, it just doesn't I've come. been in auditions so, before yeah. where I know the piece like yeah. by the, like the back of my yeah. hand, and then I've just been about to start, and I'm yeah. like. Wait, what's the first line? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I, so after I've got changed, I come round and I sort of hydrate because for yes. some of the longer monologues, you're yeah. on you're on stage for such a long amount of time without being able to, you know, mm. go off and and do that kind of thing. So hydrate and then I just go over the first few lines and just sort of get myself into the mind frame of that monologue that I'm going yeah. into. Um, I think it's a little bit more difficult when you haven't got time yeah um going into now which is the penultimate mm. monologue the the monologue preceding that is dancing which is yeah. two minutes long yeah and so in <laughs> that two minutes you especially have to when get i'm ch- doing it so you have to get change you have to run around to the to the entrance mm. and um yeah and and yeah it's it's, it's just about trying to get that discipline just yeah. in the seconds that you have before you come on just reminding yourself that you know what you're doing and then just go on and, and hope for the best I guess <laughs> for, me, for me it's more important to have the time before you're about to come yeah. in mm. so I go straight off and I and I don't take any time mm. I don't have water I don't have anything mm. I go straight into the costume change mm-hmm. I do it as quickly as possible so I know that I have the time on the other side to have my water and I don't go through the lines. What I'm really concerned with is keeping my mouth loose mm. um, because the tension of getting changed and the stress mm-hmm. of that yeah. means that I um, can store yeah. that tension in my jaw. Sure. So I'll always, there's a little mirror just by the um, just by where the, where we're standing to come in, and I'll just be in the entrance doing the biggest, like stretching my mouth as wide as it can go, scrunching it up as small as it can go, trying to get that elasticity that I need. And then if, if I can, if I've got time, a couple of tongue twisters under my breath. And that for me, I I hope that the lines come. Yeah. And for me, I... I And then there's a, there's a big kind of um, surge of music that separates yeah. the monologue and sound. And I always, I shouldn't say this because then the audience will, will look for it, but I always, just before I'm about to open the door, clear my throat and sniff. Sage advice. Exactly. Because I like have my water, clear yeah. my throat and sniff yeah. because right. I know that I will not be able to clear my throat or sniff it's for 45 minutes. Worse. <laughs> There's nothing worse than, especially air, the final monologue, there's oh. nothing worse than starting with like a frog in your throat oh. because yeah. you know you've got yeah. no time at no. all to do any clearing of any sort. No. And for me, the biggest thing is water yeah. because 
when you're on a film set, the takes are never that long mm. and you can pretty much go to the bathroom, you know, between a shot, blah, blah, blah. Whereas for this, if you have a little bit too much water because mm. you don't need, because you, because you need to hydrate enough for an incredibly demanding piece where you're going to be sweating and breathing in loads, breathing in dry theatre mm-hmm, air. Yeah. And if you, so if you hydrate enough to last you through that 45 minutes and then you get halfway through that 45 minutes and you think, I need to pee. <laughs> it's not going to be fun. And then you end up like Joey Tribbiani when he hugs Jeff. <laughs> and that's not going to be good. So yeah. That's yeah. So dealing with water rations. Yeah. Um, Tara and Max, Georgie, thank you so much. Thank that you. That was absolutely brilliant conversation and I hope uh, everyone gets loads out of there because I certainly did. Thank you. And it's on till Saturday's last performance um, down at Southern Playhouse in the little... This, it feels bigger. It's weird. I've seen, <laughs> yeah. I've seen things in here before, but this feels quite big. It's quite um, uh, yeah. a nice. So it's, it's four performances because we have two on Saturday. <laughs> yes. Mm. So yeah, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. Can, Saturday. I think they can still get tickets to tonight. Even well, get, actually, no, well, you guys going out tomorrow? Ignore that. Edit that out, please. If Thank you, you get a chance, if you get a chance, come and see it, guys. Come and see it. Georgie Henley, Tyrone Huntley, and Max Lindsay there. Actors and director of Phil Ridley's Angry, which is currently playing at the Southern Playhouse until this Saturday, the 10th of March. Now, before we wrap up here, if you're a theater professional, head on over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, and away you go. Just don't use passwords or a string of ones. Make it interesting cool but memorable start putting in your theater credits and our database team will verify and make sure that your credits start leaking to others on our site you can also list your tv film commercial voiceover corporate you know if you've got a credit put it up there uh, and it's all free you can follow us on the socials twitter instagram and facebook at curtain call and i would really love to hear it from you if you have any suggestions for this podcast or uh, you know someone you'd like to hear from or a topic you'd like me to cover just get in touch with me via any of the social media platforms i just mentioned above or uh, above previously whatever or write to me personally at john with an h at curtaincallonline.com that's j-o-h-n at curtaincallonline.com And I have to extend a massive thank you to Tyrone Huntley, Georgie Henley, Max Lindsay, and the entire company of Angry. Congratulations on an incredibly moving piece, and have a great last few shows. And speaking of those last shows, if you want to catch this before Saturday the 10th, believe me, you want to catch this. Head over to the Southwark Playhouse website and get a ticket or two. You only have four days as this podcast drops, but do what you can and go. If you're a theater student, you will love this. This is a exercise in holding and commanding an audience. And if you're a theater fan or writing fan, there's plenty for you to sink your teeth into. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 